Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 3. And uh, just letting you know also, I still have a couple of books left over. So if you're interested, feel free to check that out at the table after the service. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, going to be reading from verse uh, 13. Galatians 3, uh, 13. It says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Uh, Now I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 shouldn't be too hard to find. It's a table of contents. Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Verses 1 to 3, and it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The title of my message tonight is called Four Things You Can Believe For. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to see what's on us, what we carry, what's available to us. Open our eyes if need be. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3 says that the blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. What that means is this. Blessing is more than just what happens to us. Blessing is what's on us. We all very often think that blessing is the nice things that happen to us, and that is true, but it's more than that. The blessing of God is what's on us. What that means is this, we carry it everywhere we go. When you become a Christian, you are a carrier of the blessing of God. It's kind of like a coat that you wear. You put it on you, and wherever you go, you carry that blessing. And so what that means is that wherever we go, there are things that we can expect to see come into our lives because we are carriers of the blessing of God. When it says that the blessing of Abraham has come upon us, it means a number of things. It means that now that as Gentiles we can be God's covenant people, that we can all have a relationship with God. But it also means that we've been grafted into the family line of Abraham. That's what Romans says. Romans says that as Gentiles, that through Christ we've been grafted in. And so very often when God is speaking to Abraham about his descendants, much of what he's saying is also relevant to us as well. That's why I read Genesis chapter 12. Because in Genesis chapter 12, it's known as the blessing of Abraham, that God pronounces blessing upon Abraham for him and his descendants. And that is now also applicable to us. So what God promises him, it means that there are things that we can believe for in our lives as well. So what that means is this, bundling that all up together, what it means is as a carrier of the blessing of God, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our history, regardless of our geography, there are things we can always believe for regardless of the environment because we are carriers of the blessing of God, that where we go, these blessings follow us. And so I want to talk to you today about four things you can believe for, four promises that God made to Abraham, but they're actually promises that are applicable to us as well, found out of Genesis chapter 12. The first one is this. God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. He said, I'll make you into a great nation. That's pretty cool because Abraham and his wife couldn't have children. So that's a nice promise, isn't it? (laughs) He's thinking we're going to be barren. He's saying we're going to have no descendants. And God says to him, no, from you I will make a great nation. 
Now, he's not just talking about natural-born children. He's actually talking about spiritual children as well. So what that means for us is this, the promise that is applicable to us is that we can believe to have spiritual children. What that means is we can actually believe to be soul winners. It's not just for some people. It's actually for every single one of us. All of us have the capacity and the potential to see people come to Christ through us. Some people think that it's not for everybody, that it's only for some people. You know, because we know that there are some people who are good at leading people to Christ. There are some people who are good at being soul winners. Uh, people who are evangelists are good at it, you know. And, but the reality is this. The job of the evangelist is not to win everybody to Christ. The job of the evangelist is to equip the saints to be able to do that work of the ministry. And so what that means is this, that every one of us have the, in our future the potential to see people come to know Christ. And we first need to believe it before we're going to see it. I remember when I uh, first became a Christian, I found it very difficult to lead people to Christ. Seriously. I was always, I'd get embarrassed. I'd struggle to know what to say. And it seems like it wasn't working. And, and, I, and it got to the point where I thought, maybe I'm not one of those people. I remember um, when I was at Bible college, we were actually going to uh, go uh, witnessing one night. I went to Bible college in Sydney, and we used to go every Friday night to King's Cross to street preach and to witness. Uh, and uh, so we would go and do that. And uh, I remember one time, uh, a little bit like what your guys do down at the, in the main drag there, and, um, and so, although we were preaching as well. And so I would go there, and uh, I remember one night we went there, we in the bus, and I thought to myself, man, I would love to lead somebody in the prayer, you know, the prayer of salvation, to see them come to know Christ. Because I'd never done that before. Uh, and I thought that would be so awesome. I'd like to just, you know, in my everyday life, lead someone in a prayer to accept Jesus. And so I remember I went to this, uh, we went street uh, preaching and street witnessing. And, and I remember at one point, I, I was looking for someone who'd be a really good candidate to receive Christ. So I found one guy, and he, he seemed pretty good because he was completely off his face. And so... And so I was talking to him, and, and, and I said to him, I said, oh, I'm sharing my faith. And he comes to me and goes, does Jesus love me? I said, yes, mate, he loves you. That's why I died on the cross, so you can have a relationship with him. Will Jesus accept me? I said, yes, he will. That's why I died on the cross, so that you can be made acceptable to God. I said, would you like to give your life to Christ? And he said, yeah. And I thought, this is awesome. I said, I'm going to be able to lead someone in the prayer. So I said, pray this after me. I grabbed him by the arm so he wouldn't fall over. And then I said to him, pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus. He goes, dear Lord Jesus. I said, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. I said, forgive me for being a sinner. He goes, forgive me for that. And he stopped. He looks at me and goes, does Jesus love me? I said, yes, mate. He loves you. That's why he died on the cross. I said, all you've got to do is invite him into your life. I said, are you willing to do it? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, let's do it again. Okay, pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for being a sinner. Forgive me for being a And he stopped and goes, does Jesus really love me? I said, yes, he does. Just say the prayer. So, and so pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. And he stopped and goes, Jesus don't love me. And he walked off. And I thought, oh, I can't even lead a drunk guy to the Lord. And so... And so that night we get in the bus and we're all going back to Bible college and the team leader said, did anybody lead anybody to Christ? One lady put her hand up. She was a lady who was in her late 40s 
Her, her name was uh, Lena Gravina, and she was from Wagga Wagga, which is the Riverina. So we used to call her Lena Gravina from the Riverina. And, uh, and she put her hand up. And, you know, like the rest of us were going to King's Cross, you know, we're kind of dressing in a certain way to try and be cool and that sort of thing. She didn't worry about anything like that. Uh, and so uh, she put her hand up. She goes, and, uh, and the leader said, anybody lead someone to Christ? And Lena put her hand up. She goes, oh, I did. And he goes, oh, good on you, Lena. How many? She goes, seven. I said, seven? Seven? Lena Gravina led seven people to Christ, and I couldn't even lead a drunk guy to the Lord. I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's not for me. It's for some people. It's for special people. Me, I'm barren. It was only later that I realized that God speaks to a barren Abraham and says, I will make of you a great nation. I remember another time. I remember another time. I was at um, I was at to visit someone at the hospital, and when I went there, um, I wasn't having a good day to be honest. Uh, I was a bit tired, and it was near the end of the day, and had to park a long way away and and walk over there and visit this guy. I didn't know. I'd never met him before. Uh, his relatives went to our church, and so to be honest, I really wasn't in the mood to go visit him. Uh, but he had just had a near fatal accident and had survived miraculously. So I went and visited him at the hospital. As we got talking, I found out uh, that I, I found out he wasn't a Christian. So I said to him, "Oh, mate, would you like to give your life to Christ?" And he looked at me and he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Pray this after me." <laughs> and I led him in a prayer to accept Christ, and it was like something snapped. It's like, hold on, it's not just for special special people; it's for me as well. God has it for every single one of us. And so whenever I get the opportunity, I'm always willing to share my faith. You don't know what God will do. One of the things the devil wants you to do is believe that you cannot lead people to Christ so that you won't talk. Because he knows if you talk, then powerful things can happen. You know, sometimes we believe lies like, oh, well, I'm, I don't have the gift of the gab. I don't know what to say. One of the things I've learned is this, that if you're just open about your life and honest about your life, you'll be amazed at what happens when God takes your words. That's how people become Christians. They become Christians because God takes our words and he pierces their heart and they respond to those words. But he needs somebody to sow that seed. And so people believe the lie that it's not for us or, or we see somebody in need and we think to ourselves, well, if that guy was here to talk to them, then that'll solve all their problems. But that's not how God operates. God has a promise for every single one of us that all of us can be soul winners. And you don't even have to have the coolest method of evangelism to do it. I've heard this story and um, a friend of mine actually did a documentary on this man. And uh, basically what happened was that there was this preacher and uh, he was an Englishman uh, and he was in his church in England, a Baptist preacher. And at the end of the service, he was going to close the service and there was a man down the back, oh, there was a man down, the, sorry, a lady down the back who put her hand up and said, can I give my testimony? He goes, Sure. And she said, came up the front, she says, well, I've just come here, I've been on holidays in Sydney, Australia, I was walking down George Street, as I was walking down George Street, a little white-haired man jumped up, jumped out in front of me and asked me if I, if I died, if I was going to heaven tonight. Uh, it so convicted me that when I came back home, I spoke to a Christian friend of mine, they led me to Christ, that's how I became a Christian. And everyone's like, oh, that's wonderful, good on you, and you know, they didn't think anything more of it. That preacher who was the pastor of the church, then went on a ministry tour to Australia. 
and he was preaching at a crusade in Adelaide. And at the end of the meeting, he was counseling a lady. He wasn't sure if she was a Christian. So he asked her, could you, you know, when did you become a Christian? She said, I became a Christian many years ago. I was on holidays in Sydney. I was walking down George Street. As I was walking down George Street, a little white-haired man jumped out in front of me and asked me if I died tonight, would I know if I was going to heaven or not? It so convicted me that when I came home, I, this church was at the end of the street. I came to the church and gave my life to Christ. And he's like, I just heard this. And so then he went from there over to Perth and he was preaching in Perth. And after the service, he went out to dinner with one of the board members. Said to the board member, how did you become a Christian? The board member said, well, I've been actually coming to this church for many years, but I hadn't given my life to Christ. I thought I was a Christian, but I actually wasn't. I was over in Sydney on a business trip. And as I was walking down George Street, a little white-haired man jumped out in front of me and asked me if I died tonight, would I be going to heaven or not? It so offended me that when I came home, I spoke to my pastor and I told him how outraged I was that that man would say that. And my pastor said to me, well, I don't think you're a Christian either. And then I realized I wasn't. So that's when I decided to give my life to Christ. Then that preacher, at the end of that time, he went and he spoke at a convention in the West, um, in sorry, in a Keswick Convention in England. And as he was speaking at this Keswick Convention, he gave that testimony. Afterwards, three people came to him later and said they became a Christian the same way. Then he did another Keswick Convention in the West Indies. At the end of it, a number of he gave that same testimony. A number of other people came up to him afterwards and told him that's how they became a Christian. Then he was speaking at uh, at um, at this um, for Indian missionaries in India. Uh, at this other convention, he was talking to the head missionary and he said to him, "How did you?" he was a national, an Indian man, and he said, how did you become a Christian? man said, well, uh, I used to be, uh, I used to travel in business all the time and I was in Sydney on business and uh, I was walking down George Street, I was walking down George Street, a little white-haired man jumped out in front of me, asked me if I died tonight, would I know if I was going to heaven or not? And it was so convicted me that when I came home, I went to see uh, my local Hindu priest. He couldn't help me. And so he told me I should need to go talk to the Christian missionary. So I went to the Christian missionary down the street and he led me to Christ. <laughs> then that preacher went over to the US and was speaking to a naval chaplain's convention. He was speaking to the head naval chaplain. He said, how did you become a Christian? And he said, well, I was a typical sailor as a young man, had a different girl in every port. One day we docked in Sydney, Australia. As we were walking down George Street, a little white-haired man jumped out in front of me and said, if I died tonight, would I know if I was going to heaven or not? His words so convicted me that when I came back to the boat, I spoke to the local chaplain and he led me to Christ. <laughs> a number of months later, this same preacher was back in Sydney, oh, sorry, was preaching in Sydney at a local Baptist church in Bexley said to the senior minister, he said, do you know of somebody, uh, do you know of a little white-haired man who used to share his faith in George Street? And the, and the Baptist minister said, yeah, I do. That's Frank Jenner. He said, he's been doing that for years. And, uh, and he goes, I know where he lives. Do you want to go visit him? And he's like, yeah. So they went and they went to this house and knocked on the door and a frail elderly white man came and met them and it was Frank Jenner. And uh, he knocked on the, and he spoke to him and they sat down and the, the minister told him the story of everything that I've just told you. At the end of that time, Frank Jenner just started tearing up and he said, uh, when I became a Christian, I was in the Navy and when I became a Christian, my life changed. It went from night to day. And he said, I was so thankful to the Lord that I told him that I would share my faith with 10 people a day. And he said, and I was doing that for 40 years and most of the time I've hardly heard of any fruit until now. Not the coolest method of evangelism. But he just said something. He just spoke. And because it's on him, it produced fruit. 
you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be graphic or rude here, but there's not a whole lot you've got to learn to make babies. Amen. And in the same way, when it comes to seeing people get born again, there's only a few simple things you've got to do, which is love people, share your faith, and it's amazing what God can do with our words. And there's some people here, you always thought it was for someone else, and that is not the truth. You are a carrier of the blessing of God. Wherever you go, the potential to see people come to Christ is on you. It's latent within you if you're willing to share your faith. The second promise that he says there is this. He says to Abram, he says, I will make you into a great nation. And then he says to him, I will bless you. I will bless you. Now, for us, that's very often a throwaway line because we think that phrase, bless you, is a throwaway line. Oh, bless you, you know. But the reality is, for that man in that time, blessing did not, was not a throwaway line. When God said to him, I will bless you, and I heard a commentator named Von Rad say this. He said that when God said, I will bless you, he interpreted that to mean material increase in life. He actually interpreted that to mean provision. Now, if you look at the life of Abraham and his children, that's what they totally understood. The Bible said that after that time, Abraham became exceedingly prosperous. The Bible says in Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord adds wealth, brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. It doesn't say the blessing of the world. It doesn't say the blessing of the devil. It says the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and brings provision, and he adds no sorrow to it. Uh, Abraham became exceedingly wealthy. Then he had a son, Isaac. And Isaac um, was a carrier of the blessing of God, inherited that blessing. And Isaac, the Bible said, sowed seed in a time of famine. What kind of fool sows seed in a time of famine? You're basically throwing away your seed. But the Bible said he sowed seed in a time of famine and that same year reaped a hundredfold. Why would he sow seed in a time of famine? Because he understood he was a carrier of the blessing of God, which was not dependent on external circumstances. He understood that it doesn't matter if the environment is saying famine. I am a carrier of the blessing of God. I'm blessed and God promises that he will provide for me. That's why for some people here, you're worried about your future because it looks like the environment's changing. And you know what? It might be. But the blessing on you doesn't change. And you are a carrier of the blessing of God wherever you go. And some people were worried and saying, look, is this going to leave my life? Am I going to lose this job? The reality is sometimes that might happen, but the blessing never leaves you. And if one avenue of provision dries up, that's okay. God will release another one for you because he promises to provide. You are a carrier of the blessing of God. Jacob and Esau understood that. They were Isaac's sons, Abraham's grandsons. The Bible says that Esau was older than Jacob. They were twins, but he was slightly older, and so he was the firstborn son, which means he had the firstborn birthright, and he also was going to inherit the blessing, the family blessing. And so basically what happened was that uh, one day Esau was out hunting. He came home. Jacob was at home cooking. And when he did that, Esau was really hungry. So he said to Jacob, he said, could you give me some of your stew? I'm starving. And Jacob said, I can totally imagine this because I've got boys. And Jacob goes, no, I'll only give it to you if you give me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm, gonna, I'm starving. I'm going to die anyway. Sure. You know, you can have the birthright. Just give me the soup. So he sold out his birthright for a pot of stew and he didn't really care. 
Then a while later, it was time for Isaac to pronounce the blessing on Esau, his oldest son. And so what happened was that with the help of his mother, Jacob uh, basically masqueraded and disguised himself as Esau. Isaac was going blind. And while Esau was out hunting, Jacob came before Esau, oh, sorry, Isaac, masquerading as Esau to receive the blessing. Isaac pronounced the blessing upon him and then, he, and then Jacob left and Esau came in and then they realized that he had, the blessing had passed to Jacob, not to Esau. How did Esau respond? He went crazy. He actually wanted to kill Jacob. And he said this, that Jacob, first he stole my birthright, then he stole my blessing. They're not the same thing. The birthright and the blessing are different. The birthright was an increased portion of the inheritance and Esau was very happy to get rid of that. Why? Because he knew he had the blessing. He knew that if he had the blessing, he was going to be guaranteed provision anyway. And so what happened? When he lost the blessing, then he lost it. Because then he knew he was in trouble because he understood the blessing guaranteed God's provision upon his life. God's name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. And one of the things I've learned is this, that as a carrier of the blessing of God, even if the environment changes, even if, even if I need provision and I don't know where it's coming from, I have learned to understand that even though I don't see it, it doesn't matter. The blessing of God is on me and the provision is coming my way, even if I can't see it. It's just like when, I, well, prophetically speaking, it's like when I, um, Abraham was tested by God to sacrifice Isaac. They're on Mount Moriah and he's about to sacrifice Isaac in obedience to God's command at that time. And God stopped him. And God said, don't do it. Now I know that you won't withhold your son from me. And he pronounced the blessing upon Abraham. And then Abraham's like, well, what are we going to sacrifice to the Lord? And then they heard a ram in the thicket. They turned around. There was a ram caught in the bushes. Its horn caught, it was caught in the bushes. And they grabbed that ram and they sacrificed it before the Lord. And that's where the phrase Jehovah Jireh comes from, the Lord who sees and provides. The principle was this. The provision was always there. He just hadn't seen it yet. Just because he couldn't see it doesn't mean God didn't have provision stored up for him. And in the same way, what I've learned is this, that God has provision for us in times when we need it, even when we can't see it. Because we are carriers of the blessing of God. I remember one time I had this, uh, with, with, with my job, things can get uh, are very flexible and not everything's guaranteed. And so, um, and so sometimes it's hard to predict uh, what's coming in and what's going out. And I remember one time at the start of this year, I had this bill come in, unexpected bill, for four and a half thousand dollars. And I was like, I do not know how I'm gonna pay that. And so I was freaking out and 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 I'm and I was like, I couldn't, I just couldn't pay it. And I remember two days out from when it was due, I was thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna pay this thing. And I was like, Lord, you know, you told me you got provision. You said you're always gonna put your blessings on me, the provision's coming. But in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, man, I have no idea how I'm going to pay this. Anyway, two nights before it was due, we're at home, it's about seven o'clock and there's a knock on the front door. I go and open the front door and it's a guy I know, he's a Christian man who lives down the street. He's a character, he's a businessman, he's kind of quirky and he's just standing on my front porch like this. And his name was Bruce. I said, g'day Bruce, how are you going? And he goes, good. And he just walks into my lounge room. And I said, come in. And so, um, 
And I said, how can I help you, Bruce? And he's just kind of standing there, didn't know what to do. And I said, come into the kitchen, have a seat. And so he comes and we have a seat and he's at, we're chatting and I'm thinking to myself, what's, what's Bruce doing here, you know? Like, and um, and uh, we get talking and he said, look, um, I was praying the other day and the Lord spoke to me. And I said, right, what did he say? He said, I've got to give you some money. I said, praise the Lord. Um, uh, he said, so what's your bank details? I said, okay, I want four, six, you know, not off my heart. So I told him. And then he's got his phone out and he says, look, I'm going to transfer this money to you. I won't tell you what it is right now, but you'll see it tomorrow. I said, man, thank you so much. I can't believe this. And so he just punches it in and goes, oh, it won't let me do it all in one hit. I'm like, oh, that's good. And so, <laughs> and so he did it. And, and then he goes, you'll see it in the morning. Wake up in the morning and saw it. It's $5,000. The four and a half grand I needed plus the $500 tithe. Amen. <laughs> God had the provision come and I just hadn't seen it yet. Because we're carriers of the blessing of God. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody here needs to hear this because you're worried because your faith was in your job. And that's looking shaky. But I'm here to tell you, the blessing on your life is not shaky. And you are a carrier of the blessing. And wherever you go, the blessing of God is on you. Amen? The third one is this. The third promise, he says to him, he goes, I will bless you. And then he says, I will make your name great. God says to Abram, I'll make your name great. Now, aren't we supposed to make God's name great? But God said to a man, I'll make your name great. Wow. God doesn't have a problem with that. The third uh, thing you can believe for is personal influence. That if you look all through history, there are times when God raises people up and he uses them to influence us for his kingdom. All through the Bible, all through history, all through our societies, there are people that God raises up. And what I found is this, that very often all of us experience that in different forms from time to time. Because God wants us to be people of influence for his glory. I've seen it, from, I've seen it many times where there's been somebody who's been vilified in their workplace and then something has changed and all of a sudden they become a person of influence for the glory of God where they are. I've seen people that have felt like they've been stunted and then God does a promotion in their life and they become promoted to become a great person of influence. I've seen that many, many times. God is often doing that and working in people's lives. Why? Because he wants us to draw people to him and the best way he does that is by raising up people so that they can be known by others as well. And so God is always doing that. I found that as a youth pastor. It was crazy. I told you that um, I wasn't a very good personal soul winner. And so when I started a youth ministry, I was so, uh, I, was, I felt so bad because I thought I'm not a big soul winner. And very often the guys who were big soul winners were the guys who were able to grow a youth ministry. And so, but when I got the revelation that, hey, that blessing is on me and also that blessing is on my youth ministry so we can believe to see souls saved, all of a sudden God started giving me creative ideas to see people come to know Christ through our youth ministry. And one of the main ones he showed me was that, um, was that not, to, not to necessarily reach out to the cool kids at school, but to reach out to the kids who had no friends. Uh, I used to call the strategy revenge of the nerds, you know. And so, and so basically I found it was very easy to see kids who didn't have friends come to youth. 
And then also the kids in my youth group found that as well. They found that kids that were two years younger than them looked up to them. They were easier to bring in. So all of a sudden, all these kids were coming into the youth group. Now, obviously, we're getting all the nerds coming to our youth group. Our youth group was known as the nerdy youth group among town. And so I was happy with that. I didn't care. A person's a person. A soul's a soul, you know. So I was happy for that to happen. But a funny thing started happening. All these kids who when they first came to us were like the unpopular, lonely, somewhat nerdy kids, started getting cool. Like I, couldn't, I could not believe it. Like they were, they were, I remember one guy in particular, it was so funny. I remember him when he was in year eight. He was the first kid in my youth group, right? And I remember when he was in year eight and he, was, he, he just wanted to have a girlfriend so bad. And he was always asking girls out, and they always rejected him. And I even heard one girl say to him, why would I go out with a loser like you? That's what she said to him. And, 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 he, and he, he wasn't even asking the popular girls in class. He was asking the not-so-popular girls. And even then, no one wanted to have a bar of him. Well, fast forward five years later. I turn up to youth one night. It's, um, they're, they're, often we would lock the doors and kids would line up before coming in. And I saw this bunch of girls I'd never seen before in my life. And I said to someone, I said, Where are these? why are these girls here? And they said, oh, they all want to see Cam. And I'm like, what? Cam was that kid I was talking about, but now he was our worship leader. His hair had grown out. <laughs> he, was a, he, he was a worship leader, he had a guitar and he was like a rock star. And he wasn't dating them or anything like that, but all these girls were like, oh, that Cam, he's so cute. We want to go to that youth group and check him out. And God had completely transformed him. Now he's actually the worship pastor for a church in Yapoom. Amen. (laughs) And God is doing great things uh, in his life. What am I saying is this, that God is saying, I'll make your name great. And I believe for some people here, God's about to raise you to a position of influence in your world, and it's for his glory. And there are moments, just like Esther, where she gets promoted, and she's like, why am I promoted like this? And her uncle Mordecai says to her, it's for such a time as this. God has raised you up to do something for the kingdom. And make no mistake, that is on us. God wants us to be people of influence. He wants this church to be a place of influence. He wants this church to be known right throughout the community, right throughout society, right throughout the region as a lighthouse church. He wants people to be drawn to this church. Why? So that they can be drawn to Him. Amen? We are a carrier of the blessing of God. And the fourth thing that you can believe for is this. He says to him, I will bless those who bless you and he who curses you and I will curse him who curses you. This is funny. Could you imagine being Abram? God says, Abram, I'm going to pronounce a blessing on your life. Thank you, Lord. I'll make of you a great nation. Oh, hallelujah. I've always wanted children. I will bless you and, and provide for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. I will make your name great. Oh, Lord, only for your glory. I will bless him who blesses you. Yes, Lord, bless everybody else as well. And I will curse him who curses you. Who's going to want to curse me? Have you ever been blessed? (laughs) The blessing of God does not stop attack. It doesn't. Jesus said... 
If you follow him, you'll receive a hundredfold in this life and eternal life to come. Oh, and persecutions as well. But the promise is this, that even if attack comes, he will protect you. The fourth thing we can believe for is his protection, spiritual protection. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. We're all clothed with the armor of God. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. If you picture it in your mind, it's all armor for the front of your body. I've heard some preachers say things like, see, the armor's for the front of our body. We're only supposed to keep moving forwards. We're not supposed to turn back. We're supposed to walk forward. We're not supposed to turn our back on the enemy. But one of the things I've learned is this. Who knows that even when you're going forward, there's always someone who still wants to stick it to you in the back. So why don't we have armor for our back? Because God's got your back. (laughs) The Bible says every tongue that rises against you, he shall condemn. And there are times in a Christian's life, and you know it, it's sometimes it's like you're about to get into a breakthrough or you're about to advance somewhere in your life for the kingdom. It is very common for like attack from multiple places to all of a sudden come your way. That is not a sign to back off or to worry about it. God will take care of it. And very often it's a sign to keep moving forward. I remember when I was in Mackay, I've told this story here many times that when I took over the, a youth group, we had 22 on the first night, made us the second biggest youth group in the city. And by the middle of the year, due to my incredible leadership and vision, the youth group grew down to six. And, um, and, and one of the main reasons, though, the main reason was there was a lady in the church who didn't like me and my wife. We'd only been there a few months. So she actually was friends with a lot of the families of the kids. She went around to all the families and told them not to tell the kids, to stop the kids from coming to youth. And so there was all these lies and rumors and things said about us. And we knew it was happening, but you couldn't put your finger on it. And my wife was getting very upset about it because it's never nice when untrue things are said about us and that sort of thing. So I remember I was praying about it. I said, Lord, what do we do? You know, I said, all this stuff is being said about us. It's not right. It's all lies. You know, what do we do? And he said, don't do anything. I said, why? He goes, because I've got your back. And he said, you don't have to defend your reputation. He said, you just keep doing what you were doing. And so we did, and eventually things turned around as they do. Every tongue that rises against you, he shall condemn. And eventually, a couple of years later, that same lady came and apologized to me and my wife. God will help turn it around. One of the things I've learned is this, is not to get distracted in defending myself all the time. That's why I never fight with somebody on Facebook. I always have people try and taunt me on Facebook and they try and, you know, get me to respond to them and argue with them and I don't bother. And if they're too argumentative, I just get rid of them. I said, I'm not there to fight or to debate or to get in a big blue with you. I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do and he will take care of the rest. And there's somebody here, you've got it coming at you from every single angle and it's like trying to swat flies. You don't know how to resolve it or deal with it. And the word of the Lord to you is this, don't worry about it. Just keep going forward because God's got your back. Every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned. Now, that is especially for things that aren't true. Um, I remember I was talking to a young lady and she was saying, Pastor Ben, all these people are saying things about me. It's not right. They should stop saying it. And I said, is it true? Yeah, but they should stop saying it. (laughs) Well, if it's true, then it's our own fault. But the reality is there are times when even you can do everything right and even then attack can come your way. We need to understand we are a carrier of the blessing of God. 
We go through seasons sometimes where there is attack. But one of the things I've learned to do is not to worry about it. Uh, it was so funny at the start of this year, I had a prophet prophesy over me, an international prophet, and he prophesied for five minutes. It was awesome. I recorded the whole thing. And in the middle of it, and he said, and those people saying things about you. Don't, and I'm like, what? Who's saying something about me? And he goes, don't worry about it. God will take care of it. And that's my attitude anyway. And then I did find out a number of months later, there'd been some lies and rumors said about me and that sort of thing. But I've learned not to worry about it. I've heard some people say things like this. I don't get angry unless someone questions my character. If someone questions my character, that's when I get angry. But you know what I've learned? Question my character all, all you want. I could care less because God will take care of it. God's got our back. Amen. We are a carriers of the blessing of God. You can believe to see people come to Christ through your life. You can believe for God's provision regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. You can expect that there will be times in your life where God will raise you up to be a person of influence in your world. And just remember this, it's all for His glory. And if there comes a time when it looks like the enemy's attacking and people are cursing and it's all unjust and unfair, don't worry about it. He who curses you, he will curse. God has got your back. Amen? Praise God. Close your eyes for a moment. Worship team, will you come? Maybe you're in this, your, this place right now and one of these things is happening in your world or you need it in your world right now. Maybe it's the first one. Maybe you, have, you are not somebody who feels confident in sharing your faith, that you've actually always felt that it wasn't for you, it was for other more gifted people that you thought. And God has just shown you tonight that it's actually latent, it's upon your life. It's one of the great joys of the Christian life to lead someone to Christ. So if that is you uh, right now and you're saying, I'm not someone who, I, I don't feel confident in this, but I want to believe God that that is on my life. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That I want to be God to use me in this way and I want to have faith to believe that he can. Awesome. You can put your hands, oh, awesome, many hands. Put them up nice and high. Awesome. It's a breakthrough moment. You can put your hands down. Secondly, right now, you're needing God's provision. That literally right now, you're needing his provision. You don't know where it's coming from and you've been getting anxious about it. I know how that, I know how that can feel, but you're a carrier of the blessing of the God and the blessing of the Lord attracts wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. So if that is you and right now you're, you're needing his provision or you can see that the thing that has been giving you provision is drifting away from you. If that is you, just right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I'm needing his provision. I'm needing his provision. Awesome. You could put your hands down. Thirdly, if you can sense uh, that God is wanting to raise you as a person of influence in a sphere for a certain time and season, and you can sense it. Sometimes you can anticipate when something like that's going to happen. If that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I can sense it and feel it. That's coming my way. And it's all for God's glory. Awesome. You could put your hands down. And finally, maybe right, maybe you are, it seems like a lot of unjust things have been happening to you, around you, that it wasn't caused by you. It wasn't your fault. It's like a spiritual attack and some of its lies and rumors and innuendo. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I feel like that right now we are under attack. And God wants you to know he's got your back. Awesome. If you put your hands up for one or more of those things, just right where you are, could you stand to your feet in your seats right where you are?
and lift your hands to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these precious people. Lord, I thank you that all of them are carriers of the blessing of God. Now, wherever they go, your blessing follows because it's on them. The blessing is not just what happens to us. The blessing is on us. We are carriers of the blessing of God. And I pray right now in Jesus' name for those, Lord God, who feel barren, that they have been unable to produce spiritual children. I pray right now in Jesus' name for a boldness, a boldness to come upon them, Lord God, that when opportunity comes, they will share their faith. And I thank you that as they do that, eventually they will see fruit. I thank you and I declare for those that have been barren in this area to be fruitful throughout their lives. I thank you and praise you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for those, Lord, who are needing your provision, then they can't see it, they don't know where it's coming from. In Jesus' name, I declare a release of that provision. I thank you that they'll be able to see that it was prepared ahead of time, that you had them, they were, that they were on your mind. And I thank you and believe you for miraculous supply and miraculous provision. I thank you and praise you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray also for those that get a sense that promotion is coming their way. I thank you, Lord, just like Esther, that for such a time as this, they will use that to bring glory to God. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And for those, Lord, that right now are under attack, in the name of Jesus, I declare and I thank you that those that curse them shall be cursed. I thank you, Lord God, you will turn every attack on their head, that there will be no lasting effect, Lord God, and that they will be able to see, Father, that you have had your hand of protection upon them. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, could you stand to your feet? Not only are we as Christians carriers of blessing, the blessing of God, but the blessing of God is on this church. This message I preach tonight, I have not preached in a regular church service for a long, long time. And I was coming this weekend, I was certainly not planning on sharing that tonight. I had something else I was going to share. But I felt the Holy Spirit say that you're coming into a season of all of this coming to fruit in the life of this church that there's going to be increased souls coming into this church, that there's going to be increased provision coming into this church, that there's going to be increased profile and, pro, uh, a profile and influence that this church will have in this community. And in the midst of it, when attacks come, God is going to shield it all off and protect this church from every single one of them. So if on behalf of this church you're willing to receive it, lift your hands to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that this church is a carrier of your blessing. And I declare an increased season, an increased season of souls, an increased season of provision, an increased season at a higher level of influence and, and profile for this church. And I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of it, you will protect them every step of the way. I thank you for what you've done so far, but it's nothing but a foundation for what you're going to do. And I thank you that the best is yet to come in the life of this church. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. And if you receive it, why don't you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. He's awesome.